Hello. Welcome back to Cineboys. To Cinemen. Long hiatus. But we felt New Year, new us. Yeah. The return. Absolutely. The ascension. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 well, we're, we're back after about, yeah, a fair few years, two or three years. And yep. we thought we'd, um, effectively, it's going to be once every fortnight, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it seems realistic. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> for people like us to, to yeah. maybe aim for once every two weeks. So that's the sort of current format that we're going to be, uh, or time frame, I want to say, yeah. that we're going to be using moving forward. Hmm. Uh, what are we doing this week, though? This week, we're talking about uh, Avatar, The Way of Water. Oh, very good. Which is uh, obviously the first one grossing over... Two billion to like two point nine three something like that, which back then was a huge, huge deal. Oh, insane! Like previous to that, it was Titanic, which was about one point eight four billion, mm-hmm. which in itself was like a behemoth. And then Cameron kind of came back uh, about twelve years later and just kind of blew everyone out of the water. Um, and he's trying to do it again. He is in a landscape, you know, now that is. You know, if, you, if we just dial the clock back to the release of Avatar One, that's a film that had huge seismic implications, not just for the way audiences engaged with films, but the techniques that filmmakers used to facilitate that engagement. Yeah. CGI, mocap, or motion capture. Yeah, facial motion capture. Facial motion which capture. Was like previously, I mean, with with something like something like Gollum, a lot of people don't know this, but his face was entirely hand animated. But with Avatar, they basically put dots on people's faces as well yeah so yeah that's just it, it was like as well as it being like a huge huge film in in its own right technologically it did kind of snowball things a little bit and um yeah brought everything brought everything to this point it is which is an interesting point of discussion which we'll do after the break which is how does this film with all of its technological brilliance sit and Cameron himself sits in a landscape mm. which is now dominated by the technology that he helped pioneer. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do it. Fantastic. Excellent. Questing the cinematic void. Modern right. cinema. Touched on it early in the uh, intro. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair to say the use of that technology, the aforementioned technology pioneered by Mr. Cameron himself. Yeah. Using the term ubiquitous would be a sort of Maybe understanding how much it is used now, this yeah. kind of technology. Certainly in contemporary, or, or more contemporary, or the last sort of 10, 15, 20 years, blockbuster cinema. Yeah, yeah. And it's more specifically, this came to my head, just Marvel. The way yeah. that they... <laughs> Especially what we're Effectively, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, it, going back to motion capture quickly, Marvel films will literally not design any costumes. They will just add the costumes afterwards, and mm-hmm. it's like easy for them to do that, and it's actually really cost-effective for them to do that now. Whereas, you know, pre-Avatar two thousand and eight, they made a lot of like Iron Man suits and things like that, and this, you know, it, it afforded a a lot in a weird way a lot more creative control because they could chop and change things months after they shot them, as opposed to having to commit to something pre-shooting. Uh, so in that you know it, that's certainly one way that it's changed the landscape there's, there's a practical element to it isn't there I think like you said the cost effective nature of using such technology it saves you from shipping you know all the equipment material costumes from one place to another there's a practicality to it 
which Absolutely. I guess is part of the reason why it's so popular now. Yeah. Um, but there's also a sort of way in which that it allows filmmakers to, well, take their ideas, take their narratives and ideas, should I say, to bolder and better new places in theory in theory in yeah. theory I'm, that's I'm, that's that's sort of i guess why so many people are bewitched yeah. by or were and continue to be bewitched by this kind of technology i'd immediately sort of jump to a more negative part of this process which is they also have the ability to change their minds really late in the game right yeah and it does mean Industry-wise, like a lot of visual effects artists, uh, there's no secret that they're like overworked, underpaid, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's like a problem there. Um, and that's all because of, or m- maybe, you know, unshackling the restraints a little bit too much. Okay, that's just something that I've heard has become a problem that previously was never an issue. Yeah, I think I, I also think there's a problem with the way it is utilised. Yeah. And I think we're going to talk about this and how Cameron does utilise this technology. You know, even if we're not always sold on aspects of how Cameron uses it, and we'll discuss that later on in the in the podcast, mm. um, there's at least an attempt from him to sort of use it as a way to sort of characterise his setting, to use it as some sort of propulsive narrative and thematic device, which... Yeah. In Marvel films, I would argue, and I think you're probably on the same page with me about this. I think we talked this, talked about this a lot. Yeah, yeah. It seems more as a device for spectacle. Yeah. Um, to sort of quickly paper over the cracks of any sort of a lack of nuance in their storytelling. I mean, people who are into Marvel films might see that as like a me sort of laying into them, but that's not. I'm just saying it from some purely from a perspective of. At the end of the day, these films are built to get as many people as possible on seats. Yeah. And the way you facilitate that in the modern era is by spectacle. Yeah. And I think the use of that CGI has allowed that to happen, but almost to the point that it's almost become almost impossible to imagine a film of a certain budget not existing within without there being a significant amount of blue screens and white dots on people's faces. And Yeah. Do you think it has cheapened the use of the technology. Yeah, I think actually what sort of happened is it was done I think it did it was done really well back for, especially for 2009 I rewatched Avatar recently the first one and it does look really good even on my like shitty telly at home. <laughs> Sorry Hannah's family who gave us the television. Uh, <laughs> love it. It's lovely. Uh, but it's not the most modern piece of equipment in the world and it still looks really good it holds up mm-hmm. it, the, the texture on the skin looks really really nice and then I don't know what happened it just sort of the way that it progressed from there kind of went weird visually I think went yeah. like, downhill yeah, 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 yeah I time. agree and, it, and to, the, to the extent where you, you get action sequences that could literally be cut out of one film and placed into another and mm-hmm. you wouldn't even really be able to tell. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame because it started off so brilliantly, I, I think. And if we're going to stay on Marvel, not not sort of hit feet on it too much. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, going back to the idea about papering with the cracks of any narrative depth, I think if you think about some of the better Marvel films, I mean, not to sort of stay on Marvel because it's so easy to do yeah, these days. It's quite boring, big, isn't it? It's a big part of, but, the, of the culture. Yeah, so, agreed. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the better Marvel films suffer for it. Yeah. The endings of every Marvel film has to have this explosive. And I almost feel like um, 
that technology facilitates that kind of like filmmaking by committee, mm. you know, um, approach to narrative. It almost always impacts those films negatively for me. Yeah. And that's why so many people, filmmakers included, are going back to more practical methods yes. of uh, special effects, which seems to have had a bit of a, some kind of revival. Yeah. Hasn't it? The last sort of like ten or so years, people seem to be using it almost as I think you said before that uh, before we started recording. So <laughs> it's clear, before yeah. it's clear, I'm not stealing it from you. This idea from <laughs> you, but um, it's almost like a marketing trait now to say, you know, we're using practical effects again. We're using puppetry or yeah. animatronics or uh, makeup, where CG was would probably be the, the better, faster, quicker, cost-effective option. Yeah. Um, yeah people are still reverting back to that do you think it's because of ubiquitous nature of it because of films like marvel because of like dwayne johnson action films do you think that people or maybe smaller groups of people like, do you know what, actually i've had enough i think so yeah i think it's effective that there's a kind of fork in the road in terms of audiences because i know a lot of people who are like big fans of big action blockbuster spectacle of course, yeah. and that's Done well they're great yeah, yeah, yeah. of course but we're not ragging on we just want to make that clear we're not just ragging <laughs> on them for the sake of it no 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 of course you know, but there's I mean, a reason yeah uh and the other split and I, I do mean a split as well it's not just mainstream and non-mainstream audiences it's both of them are mainstream audiences and the other side of that is people are move, like very keen to move away from wanting to watch the same chase or the same finale every single time they go to the cinema mm -hmm. and that's where I think the marketing aspect of using practical effects comes in comes in really well and really effectively is that they're getting marketed towards this other fork in the road of mm -hmm. people who are like no I want something different yeah I want to basically go back and have the same feeling as when I watched Fellowship of the Ring for the first time yeah, for yeah. example just seeing that craft and that mm. that sort of nitty gritty getting your nails dirty kind of filmmaking. It takes cinema back to its roots I guess more for some people I think there's that sort of idea that it's like I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking hesitant to say that having practical effects in your film instantly makes it good because no, no. there are plenty of examples that's not the case at all but I yeah. think there's a, I think this developed this sort of romanticised view yeah. of practical effects which I think again as we've said sort of dovetails with the marketing aspect and yeah. this sort of revisionist way I don't know this sort of idea that you know that by disavowing that kind of technology um, I don't know it almost makes for more richer and more engaging experience yeah. more akin to that sort of low budget um, sort of more subversive style of filmmaking yeah which people can can like really look at and appreciate and you know, not have to basically not have to look for the the mistakes because there's a lot of mistakes in CG and a lot of it makes into the final product. Cause it's just such a vast, mm. you know, involves so many different people. But with like with a film like, for example, Tenet, which I didn't hate, uh, I thought it was, I, did, I thought it had its problems, but in terms of the way it utilized. A pr you know the practical effects marketing like do you remember for about for months people were going on about how they blew up a real airplane mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that was like a big all of the dark night with the flip of the, the lorry yeah it was you know a real I mean? thing it's but all, it was like yeah. A, yeah it was a point yeah. of interest it wasn't just like oh that's how films were made it was like no, no, no. oh my god they did that for real and yeah. it's like yeah and it's another reason to go and see it 
a tangible element to it, I guess. Yeah. Which almost, I guess, means that by the, by the sort of virtue of our discussion that maybe the overuse of that technology, the CG is affecting the artistic merit of it. And yes. that must be quite heartbreaking if you are someone that works in that sort of field who's given thousands of hours to something that... Yeah. I don't know, it's, it's a tough thing because I want to value it for that reason. Yeah. Because uh, it's incredibly hard and sometimes thankless work. Yeah. And it's it not tangible, be. you're not on set running around, there's not explosions, and you're sat yeah. in a chair in, yeah. a, in a dark room. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard work, it's not easy, and I think we have to give you know, kudos to them regardless of what their, yeah, I what mean, their output ends up being. It is easy to kind of rag on computer-generated imagery and how it looks in the end, but you do have to realise that it's it's made by a a, t- a huge team of people who are working genuinely really hard most of the time. And, yeah, like you say, it's just really thankless. It is, because people sit on... They put their asses on the cinema chair and they, they just expect to see that now. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's um, not It's not like... realise. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, go back to even, like, Terminator 2. It was the opposite. It was, People weren't expecting it. Yeah. yeah and it yeah, happened yeah. and they were like, holy, this is amazing and then like obviously that being James Cameron kind of leading nicely back into who we're talking about he has over the years pushed it further and further mm. with you know a film like Titanic which in itself had a lot of kind of technological achievements and advancements like things like water simulations and photorealistic people actually a bit of motion capture as well oh, very, wow, very okay. early yeah oh, like wow. really early motion capture um very basic, like they were—they were like sprites, basically tiny little kind of lemmings. Okay. But it was based on actual movements of people shot against like a green screen, I think. Um, yeah, and it's just funny how James Cameron's threading through all of this. Yeah, uh, and he's, he, he's always been there, right? He's sort of the I don't know the watchman, yeah, the yeah, yeah. of this kind of technology. Maybe him and maybe Peter Jackson, maybe. Yeah, actually, yeah, Peter um, Jackson's another I think really would good be one. The, I mean. He's certainly the humbler of the two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Although his use of it in films bothers me more than James Cameron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a good point, and actually, yeah, especially his more recent work—not his documentaries, but his films. Yeah, agree. Got really off-putting. James Cameron, then. So a man that is someone that has earned the right, at least in mainstream cinema, to be considered a bankable and, for most people, well-respected filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know we've sort of discussed this beforehand, and I'm a bit lukewarm with his films after sort of True Lies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I know you're a big fan of Titanic. Yeah, yeah. Um, un- un- unashamedly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he is always someone that you can count on to bring the goods, even if he puts the studio under a great deal of stress to do so. Yeah. Um, he has never really failed. No. Really, has he? I mean, has there been any sort of failures? No, he's produced a lot, which has gone wrong but he's never been at the helm when he's at the helm he's actually like a really safe pair of hands which yeah. is weird because when he was making Titanic everyone thought he was going to fail when he was making Avatar literally everyone thought he was going to fail again mm-hmm. and even at, to a little kind of lesser extent with the way of water everyone thought he was going to fail again but people forget how good he is at making sequels as well and that goes yeah. to like aliens and stuff yeah like. yeah of course Terminator 2 aliens yeah um, and he I mean, I'll say this now. My personal favourite James Cameron film is actually probably Titanic. But oh, wow. okay. that is maybe more 
because of a nostalgia well, reason. Just, just as valid, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, the way, uh, to the extent where the, I know there's a lot of problems with that film, but I can easily ignore them to the point, and when people point them out, it actually kind of slightly hurts because <laughs> I love that film so much. I'm just like, I don't care about the melody. It's really melodramatic or the door or the, like, yeah, yeah, the yeah. kind of, the fact that it is basically Romeo and Juliet on a boat. Like, I'm yeah. like, I don't care about any of that. It's like an amazing sort of three-hour epic akin to, like, Ben-Hur or, like, Lawrence of Arabia. You know, it has, oh, that, wow. it has that sort of, you know, that kind that of is, feel, you know, that yeah. scope. Um, yeah, it's he, definitely a, a, a film of broad operatic strokes, isn't it? Yeah. Particularly the end. Um, oh, my God, yeah. But, I mean, that's, that's Cameron all over. He is a man of broad operatic strokes. Yeah. Even when he was limited by budget or mm. by technology of the time he has never failed to yeah to give films a sense of an identity through the technology that he utilizes yeah, through his yeah. design i mean he has a background in art doesn't he in art and design and that shows in his films oh yeah yeah and um, big time and i think it's sort of i guess avatar was a perfect way for him the, the original avatar i mean for him to almost use that technology to you know really push that identity that he has to the absolute limit in terms of actually making a world yeah we're not filming this in a in in a jungle or whatever whatever the sort of demands of the the world that he's created require mm. we're filming this in a studio yeah. so all of this is design work brought to life by yeah our friend cg yeah. in motion <laughs> capture yeah and um, and that's what's something that i guess leads quite nice into our discussion about avatar 2 itself oh, i think so yeah is that if we think about its predecessor in the sense that even though I'm, again, not that fussed about the original, um, one thing I can't fault him for is his effort and how he uses that technology to characterise the setting mm. and as a sort of a, a more genuine narrative device, certainly by today's standards. Yeah, I think he succeeded, if nothing else, in presenting us with a visually splendid and very tangible world despite the fact that there's literally nothing actually tangible about how he mm -hmm. shot it at all mm -hmm. and that that's an amazing achievement i've got some problems like i'm sure you do as well with the actual end result the design mm -hmm. just came to me out be now some of it looks like a, a a level in like halo yeah i always forget yeah. it just kind of like the result is just like this looks like halo yeah but then yeah. again halo could have been influenced by aliens which yeah. it clearly was and then and then that kind of loops back sort of to Cameron again. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? Yeah. And yeah, he, he's definitely the sort of godfather influence, isn't he, for like sci-fi action, cinema, yeah. video games, I mean, mech suits. Yeah, it's sort of pervasive him. across all mediums, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I I agree with you. Um, I think uh, let's just sort of go into little bits about this film. I about guess. the way of water. Yes, this film. <laughs> yes. First, first thoughts. Yeah, first thoughts. If we're going to talk about design, I think my my big issue with the first Avatar film in this and yeah. this one, sorry, yeah. is the design. I think we've spoke about how this tool is, you know, limitless, potentially yeah. limitless, yeah. and I just feel that so much of the design is reined in by how familiar. I mean, I know this might sound. This is probably a bit of a sort of a minor critique, but it's like I don't know. If you have so much freedom, why do you just like? Make yeah. a whale with two. You know, it's got four eyes now instead of two, and an extra flipper. And he's yeah. really good at maths as well. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. Like I'm just not sure. Like if 
this design work is it is it for thematic intention to sort of like establish a thematic link between his real world concerns about environmentalism the destruction of indigenous peoples and populations and cultures we'll come mm. on to that later yeah um but i don't know it just feels kind of a bit limiting that he would sort of ground it somewhat in a a sort of fairly familiar design with fairly familiar design choices uh yeah it's odd to me that ultimately the only thing he's got under his hat that isn't familiar to us anyway is just like making stuff glow yeah he does he does that a lot in the first film and even more in this one it's yeah. just like right something alien uh like you say put more eyes on it cool more flippers wicked uh can we make them glow yeah if you want james yeah no yeah, problem yeah you sure you don't want to maybe think about this a bit more? I've got out. No, no. <laughs> yeah, That's, I mean, it's yeah. strange, isn't it? It is strange. I just feel like so. Criticism I've had about sort of many films, are, like Inception's another. Like it's about this limitless dreamscape, and it's all yeah. very familiar stuff. I don't know. I think that's maybe more to do with expectations placed by mm. investors. Maybe. Maybe. Don't go too out of it. Don't go too. Yeah, crazy a- too it. alien. Yeah, because then that might put people off, which is you know something they don't want to do. Yeah, um, actually, Je- this is going back to the first one and briefly, but it does kind of tie in nicely to what we we're discussing just now. Is he he does want people to identify with mm. the Navi, and so what he did is apparently apparently they are um, they're not like mammals in the traditional sense, but he made them especially with the, the women in the film he gave them features that are kind of that were perceived to be attractive to right. to okay. hum, to humans so yeah. like despite the fact that biologically they have no need for them so it might be his choice yeah maybe it is a creative thing i just and again like we said earlier maybe it is to tie in with the themes that we'll discuss a little yeah. bit later on but i just i don't know like i feel like when you have so much creative freedom it seems a shame to ground it in something that feels so familiar. Yeah, you know, it's a nitpick. I admit that, but no, no, no. I agree with you. I did. I, that was one of the problems with the first one, and even more so with this one, mm. um, with the sequel. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the script. Yeah, I, I, I think Cameron, for me, is one of the best action script writers. I mean, if you want to read a script that, you know unfolds the story perfectly while by using dialogue as like a device as a sort of propulsive narrative device i know people thought that's what it's supposed to do but you know someone that is just the master of it if you just read like the alien script for example it is just so taut and well written and concise but at the same time it, it has so much in there yeah. to unpack mm. so for me he's always been a bit of a sort of someone to look to in terms of his writing certainly within that genre um but here i, I don't know i feel that there's some real yeah but we would I mean the the first things I said to you after we left the cinema was like first 10 minutes dreadful yeah like from a script script writing perspective just awful I think should we um I should probably best have discussed this before but should we just warn people there might be some spoilers ahead oh yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, so yeah Yeah. if if you're if you haven't seen it um might be best to skip ahead yeah we're a bit rusty yeah Yeah, yeah. you've got you've got to give us you know you've got to give us some idea yeah Yeah, there were spoilers yeah so quaritch is back from the first film the way he was reintroduced was so lazy like Mm. really just like why? Why that? He doesn't need to be back either. It could no. have just been someone else. I would have served the story exactly the same. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. Pati- he wasn't the best thing about the first one either. He was just like a kind of 
muscly marine, mm. like kind of like which Cameron does well. Yeah, he does military grunt thing yeah. better than probably anyone. I just thought that his character was like a bit of a gristlehead, and I was glad when he got shot. Yeah, but he's back. Why? I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the way that this is another thing I wanted to touch on the whole of. The first Avatar is about a group of indigenous people defending their home, mm-hmm. the jungle, mm-hmm. and they do, and it takes them three hours to do so. And then this one, they just have to leave really quickly, and it's explained away in like ten minutes. So it it actually the sequel, it from like a kind of narrative point of view, massively undermines the story yeah. from the first film. Yeah, yeah, which is a shame given he's usually so good at that. Yeah, he, you know, if you think about Terminator Two, it it completely and knowingly undermines the first Terminator. But it does it in a way that he utilises the mythology that he's created to justify it. And it completely makes sense in that world. Mm. Whereas here, it's just, yeah, all of the key themes of the first film. It makes the first the presence of the first film feel quite pointless. Yeah, and which, almost intrusive. Almost yeah, intrusive. which to me is not the sign of a good sequel, personally. No. Uh, the use of bro a lot Oh my God. was infuriating. I will <laughs> yeah. say the characterisation, again, it, I mean, I, it's incredibly difficult to... It's hard to have an emotional connection, I should say, with these things because, you know, it's just really difficult. It's hard because you know that it's not, it's all green screen, it's all mocap, and it's really difficult. And that's why you need a good script. You need, Mm. you know, things have to be tight in that department so you can do that. Also, the the actors, the main actors in it, um, it's really hard to distinguish their own features. Yeah. So their performances are massively lost in the motion yeah, capture, yeah, especially yeah. with the, the younger actors. Yeah, yeah. So like you say, it becomes really difficult to identify with them and to uh, to feel any sort of emotional connection and to them. It's just, I don't know, like I felt the characterisation of them. They, 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 to me, were like, like new age hippie sort of types. Yeah. You know, like the kids especially, the younger characters... Bro, cuz, cuz, yeah. I don't know, like that just really grated on me throughout the whole film, and it it sort of made me sort of just disengage. Yeah. It's like I have no issue with the ethos of the new age hippie thing, yeah. but it's just like the way it's applied and the way that Cameron uses that in his yeah. characterization. I think was really, really grating to me. It, it, um, it, it just it felt a little bit like they were too they're too they were too human, mm. and they did they did that really strange thing about explaining really quickly. Uh, oh, by the way, they're not speaking English. Mm. And they just faded out the subtitles. Mm. Do you remember that? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like, what? Okay. And as I get, just the first 10 minutes were just so lazy. Yeah, it was so poor. <laughs> yeah. It did, it did improve to an extent after that, narrative-wise. Yeah. Yeah. It did get better, and it wasn't ever, I think we can both agree, that it wasn't boring. No, it was I wasn't bored. No, yeah, no, yeah. no. I mean, I, I just sort of, I don't know, like, I feel as lukewarm to this as I did to the first Avatar film. Yeah. Which is an opinion I hear a lot. Mm. I don't know many people that are like the best film I've ever seen. And yet it, you know, surely the people that think that given the, it's sort of, yeah, box office office performance and seems like the planet's favorite film. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone forgot about it. It's like the sort of, Cinematic equivalent of U2. Yeah. No one knows a U2 fan, but they're ridiculously popular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Maybe a bit harsh on Avatar, but. Or James Cameron. Harsh on U2. Yeah, well. (laughs) Oh. No, I'm not. Just want to clarify. I'm not a a U2 fan. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I just sort of feel that, that, that that is 
the, the, my biggest problem with the film is that I didn't really feel a great deal no. towards the characters, thematically speaking. And again, I think it boils down to the nature of the construction of the film. And yeah. it, it was sort of really desperate to sort of make you be sort of taken aback by these sweeping vistas, these underwater shots, this underwater technology, which is clearly fantastic. Yeah. And I have the utmost sort of admiration and respect for all those involved in the construction of those things. Yeah. I can't feel that sort of kind of connection to those kind of things if I know it's, they're not really real. Yeah. And again, I'm sort of trying to think of an example where I've seen things like that before and it has had an impact on me, but... I don't know. Like a computer. I mean, well, Gollum's an all right example. Yeah. But he was more of a tortured soul. And yeah, none, yeah. Of the, none of the uh, the Na'vi in this film are really depicted as being bad. <laughs> no, and they're all... I don't know, like, there's no sort of... If we sort of talk about the film thematically, obviously it's about, the, the, you know, Cameron is, by his own admission, a, very, a vegan and environmentalist. Yeah. Um, and this film is probably far more blunt in sort of showcasing that than the than its predecessor I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um and I guess that's maybe why he shifted it to the ocean because that's like a big sort of um debate at the moment about the sort of health of the oceans and how that is sort of Yeah, actually you know, that's true. It's funny, yeah, the the con the whole conservation theme. Yeah, or just sort of consciousness yeah. is going towards the sea now. Yeah. It used to very much be about the Amazon rainforest. Yeah, yeah. And now Fuck it's... The yeah, yeah. No one cares now. It's all about the oceans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three You've had your time in the, the sun, Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, You're off right. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fine. We, we fixed you. Yeah, we planted yeah, yeah. loads of new trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. You can't have to deal with it yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, there's just no... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> back, to the, back to the plastic in the oceans. Yes. <laughs> the turtles. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and the, that... That carries across into the sequel because 2009 was all about the forests, and oh yeah, now it's all about the oceans. And they really are oh, they, yeah. I, which is probably one of the reasons why he very quickly made them leave yeah. their original yeah, kind of home yeah. and like and just like no, 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 go to the, the the reef people now. I mean, it's it yeah. I mean, it's just it's admirable, um, I guess, to sort of have that yeah. you know, strict belief system about something that is really important yeah um but it's just the way that he applies it in the film i'm i'm not sort of entirely sold on the execution of it mm. uh, again the effects might play a part in that but i think it's more narrative than anything else so i that, think yeah i think that, that that's where my issues lie in terms of the thematic execution of the, of the film yeah uh, and I, I totally agree. I think another thing to touch on, and again, going back to this is a big, big old spoiler, although I can't even remember the character's name. This is another thing. There is a uh, Jake Sully's son at the end. Oh, yeah. He dies. Yeah. But And it's meant to be this big emotional swelling moment. It lasts around 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're so upset about this death. And I'm just there thinking, I've spent no time with him. Yeah. And that, his other son... I spent quite a lot of time with him and he identified with him because, well, he he, he makes friends with that big whale, doesn't he? The big whale. The thing. big whale. Yeah, the mathematician whale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he makes friends, but like you're spending time with him. So if maybe he was the one to go, yeah, might have felt something a little bit more. And yeah, it's strange to me that he decides to kill off one of the others, like the, the person you spent the least amount of time with and then expect you to be really upset. Yeah. Just sort of didn't work. No, it's weird. No, I I just think the whole maybe a studio. No, I don't know. 
Yeah, well, so. quite possibly. I mean, I guess if you're going to spend time with an arc of a young Navi fella yeah. finding himself by hanging out with a whale. Big whale. I guess you probably don't want to kill him off. It's probably... Yeah, it's that's it. Yeah, yeah. 20th century studios are just like, right, James, we got... Uh, yeah, just, we, just one thing. Yeah, we've got to keep the sort of whole family happy. Yeah, If they're yeah. going to cry, they can cry about someone that barely had any screen time. Yeah, yeah. Which they won't do for that reason. I think there's another argument to be had there, or discussion, sorry, should I say, about the worth, the thematic worth of the film, given that uh, I imagine filmmaking isn't the sort of best for the planet. Certainly a big blockbuster spectacle such as that. So I just remembered this. It's interesting that you, you said that. They hired a bunch of Amazon server farms to render this film because right. of, of the like huge of the amount of yeah, computing power you need. They're going to need some big old warehouses with like walls of computers to render all of the frames. It took about, I think, something like 8,000 real-time hours to render one frame. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you sort of take all that data, shove it into a big render farm, it will turn into about an hour. Mm-hmm. But that, I mean, I'm assuming that ain't good <laughs> for <No>. the planet. <laughs> and this is the thing, I mean, it's an interesting thing to touch on, and it? Uh, I guess it's sort of you have to sort of preface this by saying I feel like, and with myself, I, we're all, say myself and say we're everybody. Yeah. I think in the Western world, by the virtue of your existence, the things you take part in, you're you're a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm massively hypocritical. So it's that. it's not a saying that we're sort of completely absolved of this, and we're not necessarily attacking him for at least having the desire to do this, to to bring these things to light. No, it's more just that. Given that blockbuster filmmaking is a mammoth task that requires a lot of resources, uh, a lot of which I'm not sure how much. I mean, I, I don't know. Give knowing him, not knowing him, obviously, <laughs> but uh, knowing Jim. his sort of his moral compass and the things he cares about, maybe that was a consideration. Yeah, maybe um, it was. And but I, I don't know. I just uh, it just doesn't sit well. Yeah, it's I, strange to me to have it sort of shoved down my throat. Not that. It shouldn't be. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is something that needs to be kind of brought to the forefront of culture. And in fact, it definitely does. But at the same time, it is just like, well, what are you actually doing? Are you yeah. are you taking part in some kind of green filmmaking initiative? I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it. And you'd no. assume that if they did, they would brag about it. Yeah. Because it's a big... Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man Two did, and I remember that being all over the marketing okay. for it. Was just like, hey, this was like a zero emissions film. Everything that we, oh, okay, yeah, uh, and then I don't really know what happened to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, strange. I think it just sort of, I guess, it sort of speaks about what we want from mm. mainstream films. I mean, do they have the power to do that? Not only because of the potential for. You know, contradicting oneself given the size and scope of the process of making the film but also our audiences or mainstream audiences which would encompass a wide scope of people different lifestyles beliefs experiences etc are they really going to be as moved and impacted as much by a film like this to make positive changes yeah to stop them from putting their sort of cans in the in the non-recyclable <laughs> bin you know what i mean like i don't know like it's a i i often think when I think about film's impact, um, you know, it's sort of, I think as a viewer, you, I sort of feel guilty of these sort of temporary moral realignments. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. Where you sort of come out of a film and think, I'm going to make this positive change in my life and I'm going to... 
forever forever except yeah yeah and then two weeks later you don't even realize you're doing the exact thing you said you wouldn't do yeah out of convenience or because you're not in the right frame of mind or Mm, i I don't know this might be getting a bit too deep but i just think there's something to be said there about the the impact that film has on us and our sort of moral compass and our behavior Mm. and i think it definitely can do and definitely has done but i think the more money that's invested in a film the harder that is to have a lasting impact on you yeah you specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but you know like you know i think that's um an interesting point that's worth at least discussing which we have done <laughs> <laughs> i'm see uh one other thing just trying to i kind of feel like i'm reeling off things that annoyed me about this film uh one more thing that annoyed me that weird yellow goo that they got out of the big oh, whale, yeah, the big whale yeah. and the, the explanation was that it makes humans immortal yeah. what yeah, what? or age, some aging thing. Yeah, I don't really. Why? <laughs> just explained away. Yeah. I tell you what, it just this is just something that's just come to me. But uh, the writing was almost Batman for Superman bad. Yeah. In terms of the way it just explains away these sort of uh, these obviously quite important yeah. things, because the whole reason for the apparently now the the sort of whole reason for the existence of this sort of um, this sort of crusade to another world is not only because Earth's dying yeah. obviously that was going to be the case yeah. uh, but also that so we can harvest some yellow fluid from sort of like yeah, whales just... that can compose music and solve algebraic expressions you yeah. know like I, I don't know it just uh... doesn't seem and it's explained away by Jermaine Clement yeah, yeah. which was a weird sort of cameo <laughs> for him know. I mean I've no disrespect to him I mean you take the jobs where they come don't they but, yeah don't but you? like it, it was odd to see Flight of the Concords man in, yeah. in the biggest film of all time like, as a marine what? biologist yeah yeah, yeah. so okay. strange strange yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of points in this film were just like, oh, this plot, this needs to happen. Therefore, we need this. Mm. Uh, oh, okay, let's make another reason for why humans. Are, uh, I wonder how much of a criticism that is, because I guess like when you're writing a film like this, obviously a lot of the time the the, the sort of mechanics of why things have to be a certain way are going to be pretty obvious. Yeah, but I guess even by their standards, it's still too obvious. It might have just sort of slipped through the net. Because they had a lot to think about, yes, I guess, yeah, and that's they true. were just like, uh, "That's true." Let's hope no one talks about this in a yeah, yeah, in a small room in England. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shit. Yeah, <laughs> no, um, yeah. Uh, what else? The okay, something that I did think was quite impressive, and I want to proceed. I want to kind of preface this by saying, on the whole, I didn't like the high frame rate technology. Yeah, I, I thought I felt it, the same. Yeah, it took like you said to me, it took you out of it. Yeah, uh, yeah because yeah. it was it is jarring. It's mm. like you're seeing at regular twenty four, you see all the motion blur, mm-hmm. and your brain is kind of hardwired into, you know, because we're sort of predators. <laughs> you need things that move, like your eyes trained to kind of look for inconsistencies. Uh, once they get underwater, I actually thought it was quite good. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. This makes sense. Yeah, 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 it worked. But they use it too much at the start. Just don't. I, just I don't can't know. go about that, the opening was. There's an attempt in the opening, isn't there, to sort of anchor in the themes of family, which kind of run underneath all the more important environmental stuff. Yeah, and the maybe, family thing. Yeah, also. maybe in like um, sort of Cameron's eyes, it sort of, it sort of interacts nicely with the mm. more broader sort of themes true it's, uni- it's a universal thing isn't it, it? is family it, that's why I mean he's think he's probably thinking Christ this film film needs to do well internationally yeah so put something in that everyone no matter where you're from is a part of whether yeah, yeah. you like it or not so I kind of 
I, I get I get why he put the family stuff in there, but at the same it's time, nauseating. Yeah, I, yeah, I think he just it didn't. I don't know. I think I think you might be right because I think there's this this is a suggestion that the Pandora is almost like a sentient being, the planet. Yeah. It's a big like a sort of deity network. Yeah, yeah, like a network, like a sort of yeah, network of plant life and animals that are all sort of in it. In it together. together. Yeah. yeah. And when you die you become back part of that life again. Right. That make that makes sense as a sentence. Yes. I, I thought so. <laughs> I mean no. that's, yeah, that's the thing as well, like that I don't know, like I feel like if you're gonna really thematically give that film a bit more of an impact I don't think it should be so easy to win yeah. against this enemy because in both films mm. they sort of roll these guys over pretty quickly with like elephants and fucking whales and shit yeah. and don't get me wrong I mean obviously I know that they, they, sh- they have to win because obviously if, if it ended pretty badly I think a lot of people would be scratching their heads thinking what was yeah. the point of that wouldn't have um, much money that's for sure but again I think I'm touching it earlier but that lack of sort of risk for the characters for me the lack of risk for the planet I don't know it just didn't sort of sit cohesively in the narrative or the, indeed the sort of thematic intention for me yeah so all the all the humans are really tiny aren't they so, yeah so yeah. it's like you would again I'm sorry to kind of paraphrase you earlier but um you just said that there was no peril, which no. You, is was true. There wasn't. No. They they did. They were just bugs that to be squashed. Yeah, yeah. Human there was no kind of nuance to them, apart from Spider, who uh, as a character kind of annoyed me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, he, he was like the sort of the human representation of the Navi. Yeah, kids, weren't they? And again, that sort of new age hippie thing is just grating. He really was also grating. weirdly indestructible. Yeah, uh, his uh, like just you know rolling down the big boat thing at the end and just kind of getting bruised and battered whereas like other other humans are just kind of like flipping off the side of boats yeah yeah yeah. I guess that's sort of, sort of part of the parcel of the blockbuster though isn't it you have yeah. to accept that some characters are more robust than others yeah in order to facilitate grander yeah. narrative designs mm. okay good so overall uh Lukewarm at best. Yeah, I, I've been I've been a bit harsh because I did ultimately it is entertain it is entertaining mm-hmm. and it is very big, bright and colourful mm-hmm. and is like a, a lot of people des- uh, have kind of described it as a bit of a tech demo. Okay, kind of an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, uh, far too long for a tech demo, but of um, course, yeah. yeah, the underwater stuff's amazing and. It, Cameron's indulging himself massively. He loves water. He loves blue. Yeah, and yeah. this is the perfect film for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's doing incredibly well. So it's not just for him, but it yeah. seems that he's someone that's clearly very, very passionate about both the themes and bringing that technology mm. or or bringing to life these themes and ideas through the technology that he employs. Definitely, yeah. And uh, standing currently at. Uh, yeah, it's grossed uh, worldwide 1.401 billion as of the 2nd of January 2023. There we go. My God, that's going to be, it's going to be all right, isn't it? I think we're safe <laughs> to say that we're going to be seeing a few more yeah. Avatar films. Yeah. Because I... one thing audiences like is repetition, Ooh, yeah. some kind of consistency. Mm. It, you know, I mean, Marvel, <laughs> ragging on Marvel again, but oh, Marvel's whole structure is built on that is familiarity yeah. and consistency with the themes, ideas and execution 
of those things. So it's like it's like when you go on if you've been on holiday and you find a restaurant you really like, mm-hmm. and you and then you go to another one and it's not as good. And then you end up just going back to the same restaurant again because you're just oh, I want to go back to that first one. <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's the yeah. same kind of innate human desire and kind of finding comfort in repetition. Yeah, yeah. So moving forward, what is the legacy? Do you think? of these films what do you think Cameron can expect in terms of because we've talked about the technological mm. uh, brilliance yeah uh, we've talked about Cameron himself and yep. his legacy that he will leave on the medium yeah uh, what, what, what do you think I mean because I we, we were joking about this before when we came out of the cinema but, but the only thing I can think of that Avatar has given legacy to is the porn industry there's so much <laughs> avatar porn yeah not that I've looked no 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 <laughs> I haven't honestly just heard about it in yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. unrelated I'm, article yeah yeah course. someone was saying about it and I just, oh, wow okay but yeah that's um, strange because I remember when the first one came out there wasn't there wasn't even that much merchandise no uh, there was like a pair of pyjamas I saw once that mm-hmm. had like avatar on it I was working in BHS. Nobody bought them. They went off the shelves really quickly, and that was it. I was yeah. just like, "All right, then. I guess Avatar's come and you know, kind of this came and went." This know? is what I'm trying to piece together about the film because, mm. yeah, like it, it's performed so well, and yet it doesn't have that sort of. I don't know. Like it doesn't seem to have the sort of like it doesn't have live rent free in many people's heads. No. In terms of like how they would if they talked about some of the landmark moments in within cinema. Oh man, Titanic's much more likely to get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because he succeeded with that and kind of getting you know getting that into drilling it into people's skulls, (laughs) and you know it left a lasting impression. And that's one of my the ways that I defend the film is I just say like, well, it's it's clearly everyone's like everyone's favorite film for like a year and a half, and it. It's just you can't you can't stop it. It was like a kind of unstoppable mm. force. I remember that. It was it ninety seven. Nine ninety seven. Yeah, yeah. People I can remember about, uh, that even then as yeah, a seven year old. Yeah. I mean, there's lots I don't remember about my childhood, but for <laughs> some reason, yeah, you went to most of like your mates' bedrooms and it was on the wall. Yeah, 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 bizarre. And yet the same isn't true for Avatar. No, you don't see Avatar posters on the wall, do you? No. Is that... it because I don't know? Like design wise, you can make toys out of it I don't yeah, know yeah. you can make little you know, bows and arrows you could get yeah there's there's an opportunity for merchandise there but maybe it's not the point of it maybe not I mean yeah I guess the idea is to, to stop people using plastic and mm, things brainless consumerism yeah. so maybe that's taking it a step you know that would be 20th century studios taking it a step too far and maybe that's kind of weirdly honourable but, yeah. but it, or is it because people watch it clock out think that was alright and then go and get get on with their lives and don't it doesn't yeah it doesn't that's really. yeah that's true interesting strange right questing the cinematic boy so in typical Cineboy Simon fashion we are already looking ahead to the next film to discuss mm. at length in detail Ooh, which is After Sun After Sun a lovely film yeah um, that was out uh, tail end well not tail end of last year maybe was it November we went to yeah see? I think it was limited release we limited caught, release. caught it in Bristol but um, oh, it's going to be released on movie indeed on it is the 6th of January 6th of January I was balls <laughs> up uh, yeah 6th yeah. of January um, really it's just an excuse for us to talk about it because yeah. it's a film that had a real impact on both of us and yeah. that's something we really want to share with yeah. Definitely a small left. portion of people <laughs> that have listened to this but we just want to say yeah 
we're yeah. back, uh, and thank you for getting to the end of this one. Thanks for thanks for <laughs> thanks so much for listening, everyone. Yeah, it's thank you very much, and uh, see you next happy time. Happy Christmas, New Year. Happy Can Christmas. Can you say that now? Is that allowed? Uh, I'm gonna you, let's say it. We should have said it in the intro, really. But no, there yeah. you go. You got it there. Happy yes. New Year, everyone. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you back in hopefully about a fortnight's time. About a fortnight. Take care, everyone. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>